Eatonville Saga, Season 4, Excelsior, mid-1988 through December 31st, 1989. Here's our storyteller, N.Y. Mithiri. Episode 14, Decisions, Decisions. The Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts team faced a dilemma. How should we represent our event? What would be the visual image we used to announce and to promote the festival to the public? These questions stated so clearly now, dear listener, belie the fact that some three decades ago, our team had entered uncharted waters into the realm of the aesthetic, and we were actually unprepared. Have you ever heard the expression, you don't know what you don't know? Well, put simply, and here I want to be fair to our team, I think that expression pretty much sums up our situation as we entered into this phase of our planning. To be even more clear, we had not identified for ourselves nor verbalized the nature of the decision-making facing us. For example, as I recollect, the word brand or branding never passed our collective lips. Yet branding was exactly the waters in which we were swimming. A Google search of branding and marketing describes branding as the process of creating a strong, positive perception of a company, its products or services in the consumer's mind by combining such elements as logo, design, mission statement, and a consistent theme throughout the marketing. Yes, our team had been working through some branding issues, it's just that we did not have the advantage of marketing expertise. And so we had begun our journey without the benefit of a plan. Think about it like this. We had set out to travel to New York City, but we didn't have a roadmap. But being the people that we were, we did recognize the need to reach certain key decisions. For instance, we grappled for weeks with this problem. Should the festival use a photo of Zora Neale Hurston to identify this event named in her honor? Or should we attempt to create an image that represented who she was as well as the goals of the event? Now, as I proceed in the telling of this episode, let me speak a little bit more about what this decision-making process actually entailed. Indeed, we were in a serious quandary, and we relied upon a collective wisdom to reach the final decision. Here were the two lines of thought our team was considering. One, should we use a photo of her so the public could come to know her face? Now remember, though there was definitely a segment of our public who knew who Zora Neale Hurston was, the reality is that most of the general public did not have a clue to who she was. The other line of thinking considered the positive elements of creating an image which would capture her spirit, the dynamism of her scholarship and personality. A Zora Neale Hurston as an Aurora Borealis, as it were. As our team mulled over these two options, we embodied the best of a deliberative process. We were not an armed camp of two opposing views. Instead, think of us as sitting under a tree, talking together until we reached a consensus. And that decision 
was to create an image representative of Zora's brilliance. For we recognized that although the festival carried her name, we understood that not every festival would be focused on her alone. Indeed, we identified three goals of this special event. One, to celebrate the life and work of Zora Neale Hurston. Two, to celebrate the historic significance of her hometown, Eatonville, Florida. And three, to celebrate the cultural contributions which people of African ancestry have made to the United States and to world culture. Yes, we had made an important decision. Now the question was, what should that image be? And here is where our team's lack of knowledge was on full display. We approached several painters and each provided us with sketches, but we were not comfortable with what we were seeing. Then one painter informed us that we needed to consult with a graphic designer. Who knew? Certainly we did not until he had told us. Having received this information, however, we were empowered to move forward and our girl network took us exactly to where we needed to go. Allow me now, dear listener, to read to you an excerpt from the souvenir book for the first annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts, January 25 through 28, 1990, compiled by Alice Morgan Grant and Cynthia Scales. The story of the Hurston Festival logo. Clay Rivers, a native Orlandoan, is the graphic designer for the Hurston Festival and is responsible for the visual identity. The graphic package includes the Zora logo, which appears on pamphlets, banners, t-shirts, and the souvenir booklet. The design for the canvas tote bags is an expanded form of the logo stripped down to red letters only. When approached by PEC with the design problem of capturing the vitality of Ms. Hurston and putting it onto a logo, Rivers says the solution was easy. Quote, I chose University Roman Bold as a typeface because of its inherent femininity, then added a drop shadow to make it bolder. The combination of red and orange was chosen because together they are active and uninhibited. The background stripping is used to hold everything together as well as give an air of carnival, unquote. Currently, Clay is employed by Walt Disney World as a graphic designer for resort design and creative entertainment. One of his designs for Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort won second place in Sign of the Times national competition. Rivers also freelances and was employed by the Orlando Downtown Development Board to design the colorful and informational banners at Lake Eola. A graduate of Jones High School, Rivers attended Florida State University for three years, majoring in advertising slash studio art with a minor in theater. In 1984, he transferred to Rollins College in Winter Park, where he received his Bachelor of Arts in Communications. So there you have it, how we decided on the Zora logo. But wait, this is a podcast. Let's see if we can use our mind's eye to better see the image. Step one, we are using only her first name and those four letters, Z-O-R-A, are all in capital letters. Step two, 
there is an exclamation mark after the capital A. Step three, think of the Z as being tilted a bit. So that's a description of how the design treats the letters. Now let's talk about how the design treats the colors. Remember Clay River spoke about the combination of red and orange? Well, here I want to take us into the weeds. Early on, Clay River spoke to us about using PMS colors as opposed to a four-color process. He explained that PMS would give the logo a higher quality of presentation because PMS colors, also known as spot colors or Pantone matching system colors, are specific color formulas that will reproduce accurately in print. Instead of simulating colors by combining multiple colors, as in CMYK four-color process, PMS colors are pre-mixed from existing color formulas and assigned a standardized number. What Clay Rivers created for us was the Zora Festival palette of colors, which guaranteed that our look, our brand, would be standardized, set in stone, never varying. Let me recite those colors for you now. PMS 192 plate, red. PMS 1650, orange. PMS purple. PMS 232, pink. PMS 326, blue. PMS 360, green. Warm gray, five. Indeed, Clay Rivers developed the Zora brand. Today, the Zora logo has a global presence, no joke, and it is not uncommon for graphic designers to comment on how fresh and alive that logo remains after all this time has passed. Thank you, Clay Rivers. End of episode 14. You've been listening to an Eatonville Saga, executive producer, PEC, the association to preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., podcast concept and storyteller, N.Y. Nathiri, Eatonville native and executive director of the association to preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., PEC, produced and directed by Ken Moore, 2022 copyright by the association to preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., all rights reserved. Thanks for listening. If you would like to support our podcast by giving, you can give to PEC at www.give2pec.org. That's www.give2pec.org.